You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to episode, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. <laughs> Benny, what up, baby? Did you hear they already made a uh, EDM remix of that? I don't know if I, I heard the Netflix movies coming out in like two weeks. Yeah, it's like, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth, 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 mouth. And then, like, the beat drops. <laughs> you know, God bless the internet. There's some things that it stays undefeated on, and that's one of them. But, yes, I mean, everybody, welcome to 2, 5, and 10. <laughs> I mean, Will Smith should have got a 2, 5, and 10 from the Oscars for what he did. Do you think he was getting jiggy with it? Uh, I think he got a little too jiggy with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, quick tangent. He laughed at the joke. Oh, he did. He he was laughing. And then his wife looked at him, and then, like, I feel like that's more emasculating than somebody making fun of your wife. I was gonna say she was like, "You better go handle that shit right now." And it 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 was this standard. There's a video clip of her from like two weeks ago talking about how she shaved her hair, and she's like, "I don't care what anybody has to say about my hair. I love my beautiful bald head." And then that. And the people that have to say that are self-conscious about whatever they're saying they don't care about, uh, as evidenced by her reaction. I'll say this. I mean, Chris Rock got a chin on him, man. He he, he ate that thing. Dude, he's from bedside. He's been smacked and hit much harder than that. <laughs> Maybe we'll get, like, a, a bar stool rough and rowdy or, like, a UFC thing out of this. That'd be good. Yeah. I Yeah, I thought it was uh, staged at first, but then soon as when, once I saw the smack, I was like, nope, that's real. <laughs> just, just one of those two where you're like, you can even say the noise. He's like, pa! Just right in that suck hole. It reminds me of the Mark Stahl and, uh, was it, Kuznetsov? I think no, so. No, uh, Semin, back in the day, remember they got in a fight? Oh. The Rangers caps and they were like smacking each other. Good old Alex Seaman, yeah. Yeah, Alex Seaman. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when uh, when they came up with that, uh, what was it NHL, was it 20-whatever, and that's actually what they called him. They didn't even call him Alexander Semin. They, they just like, you'd pass the puck and they'd be like, Seaman! And you're like, this is incredible. Seaman cuts <laughs> through the slot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll go from we'll start off with, from one Oscars punch on a Sunday night to another punch uh, out in California. The whole Troy Terry situation with uh, Jay Beagle. Um, what is your take on that? Because I've heard so many different takes on it, and I wonder where you stand. I'm going to be consistent with my stance on the whole. Uh, Wilson and Panarin deal. Okay. I give Wilson and I give Beagle the benefit of the doubt in their initial reaction. Okay. So Beagle gets basically, he, he wasn't attacked. Like the one thing Beagle and his, when he tried to explain what he did, he's like, he attacked me. He didn't attack you. Like he didn't stop wailing punches on you. He basically grabs you from behind with his arm and gave you like a face wash. So even still, he turns around. He's a fourth line grinder. He has, he's dropped the gloves in his career. He turns around and starts protecting himself. I don't subscribe to the idea of superstars. Well, Troy Terry's not even a superstar. Like he, he's having a great year this year. It's his first great year. That skill players are somehow off limits from the, consequences of their actions obviously when you have a guy like mcdavid or panarin or bergeron guys like that they get a lot more respect and leash than some of these other guys just because of their stature in the game now uh, can i can i ask you a question just off that alone? yeah if troy terry walked by you tomorrow but well yeah well, be- before getting his face rearranged would you be able to tell by his face that it was troy terry no. So I'm just saying, if you grab me from behind and I don't know who you are, especially like on a very young Anaheim Ducks team, and I feel like I turn around and, and I start feeding them to you, am I supposed to pull you by the front of your chest protector? You're just pull you down and say, oh, that's Troy Terry. I'm supposed to stop punching. Or are we already engaged and I'm just going to throw him until you either fall or the refs break us up? Well, the thing is, 
I do agree with what Dallas Eakin said, where as a veteran on the ice, you know who's on the ice for the most part. You know what I mean? Like even during line changes, you know for the most part within a few seconds the five guys on the ice for the other team. Mm. So he knew Sam Carrick wasn't out there. Delorier was traded. He knows that's not Max Comtois coming after him. Like he knows in central, like it's not one of the guys that he has to quote unquote worry about. But I still give him the benefit of the doubt. You're in a, you just cross checked Zegras, who's the face of the franchise, and you're now you're getting a reaction from behind. I'm in full protect myself mode. The issue for me is the extra shots he gave when Terry was down. And then basically grinding his face into the ice. That's my issue. The turning around, the dropping of the gloves, the first few punches, whatever. You can tell uh, Terry was giving himself up in my mind. And at a certain point, when you realize you don't need to protect yourself anymore, you don't need to be on the offensive either. That's my only issue. I don't have a problem with the cross check to Zegras. I don't have a problem with Terry going after Beagle to protect him. I don't have a problem with Beagle turning around and getting into it. I just don't like the extra shit on top of it. Um, I That's where I think Dallas Eakins is also right by saying he knew he can get away with it because he knew this was somebody, even if he didn't know it was Troy Terry, he knew this wasn't somebody he had to worry about, and he took a, kind of advantage of that. And that's the the one thing I'll agree with, right? He, he took advantage because, like you said, he knows who's out there and everything else. The one thing that I have a problem with is how Trevor Zegris is getting off the hook here. Because if Trev, Trevor Zegris doesn't fucking whack the goalie in a 5 nothing game, nothing happens. Like, it's a 5 nothing <sighs> game. You, you're playing in the NHL. I don't give a fuck if you're playing the Phoenix Coyotes. You know that guys are aggravated, guys have pride, and if it's 5 nothing and you whack my goalie, yes, you're going to get fucking cross-checked in the back. And when yeah. nobody wants to come in and now stick up for you, those are the repercussions that happen. Yeah. And so, hey, I'm sorry that I rearranged your face, Troy Terry. I really wish I did it to Zegris, but you wanted to come in and grab me after your fucking idiot buddy wants to whack the goalie when you guys have a 5 nothing lead. Thank your buddy. Yeah, I mean, the game situation was different, but that's where I feel that I disagree because the Wilson-Panarin thing. Will, uh, Panarin jumped on Wilson's back to help protect Buchnevich. It wasn't a 5 nothing game. Buchnevich wasn't instigating a situation like Zegras might have been doing. But Wilson turned around. The first few punches against Panarin, fine. Somebody just jumped on your back. You don't know if it's Truba jumping on your back and getting ready to fucking pummel you. But he, this second toss down and punches the Panarin is the issue. And I think that's where Beagle is wrong. Like, fine, he's sticking up for his goaltender. Fine by me. My, my spicy take, if you want to call it that, is if that was the Rangers versus the Coyotes, and let's say that was Lafreniere instead of Troy Terry. And obviously, everybody's kind of tied up, and the guy in the Everybody on the Coyotes aren't just going to let their man loose to then go attack Beagle, right? Mm-hmm. If my goaltender is not skating the length of the fucking ice to help neutralize that situation, I don't like my goaltender anymore. Where's John Gibson in all this? That's my spicy take. He sees his co-franchise, co-face of the franchise, Terry and Zegras, and he's just chilling in his crease, being like, oh, my guy's getting pummeled down there, not going to try and do shit. That's my that's my problem. And what I take away in terms of if you want to start looking at the other guys on the ice and the team as a whole, that's my problem. Uh, here, here's, even, if, even if you don't get there, you got to go down there and try and evil, even the situation. The guy's getting fucking pummeled. Here, here's my take. One person after this went to the media, and it was Zegris. And he refused yeah. to say Beagle's name. He refused to say fight. He, he was saying he said embarrassed, he, right? Embarrassed. He, he's an embarrassment. I would love to see next year Zegris put his money where his mouth is and fight Beagle. 
and that's the other thing. That's fine. If they square up, he's probably not going to fare too well against a guy like Beagle. But that's why I know it's an intangible thing and it's very outdated. Why did they move to Laurier? I, I well, think you have a young they like were that. just young still team. They were just all in on utilizing what they were going to get for the draft. That, that, that's all it is. I mean, yeah. Delorier's UFA, I get it. Hey, Minnesota's calling you. They gave you a good offer for Delorier. I, I think you have to take it. But you're right. I mean, you don't have anyone in the AHL you can call up to kind of suit that role. And, yeah, and I know he, we have Carrick, but Carrick's like new to it. Yeah, but it's like even if even if Carrick was on the ice or in the lineup, right? If he's not there at that specific moment, you know, this happens at the end of a five nothing game. Beagle's gone. They don't even play each other for the rest of the year. Uh, like it's already a next year situation. Yeah, automatically. So I did read that a lot of the, besides it being a five nothing game and the normal frustration that comes with that for the guys on the Coyotes, apparently the young guys on Anaheim were talking shit from the bench, showboating all game long. Well, I mean, what the fuck do you think is going to happen then? At some point, so it's going to pop off. Yeah, so then you have a situation where Zegras, who, right or wrong, some guys hold the opinion of his lacrosse goals and everything else are disrespectful to the to the other team disrespectful to the game right and he did score one that game yeah so now if you're arizona they're showboating in their mind they're talking shit and you're down five nothing and he whacks your goaltender late in the third i think that's where beagle was just like fuck it and just went ham because you're not going to respect us i ain't respecting you and that might have been his mindset he's not going to admit that publicly but that might have been the mindset and I think that's fair. It's just, it's one of those things where if he does not, like, regardless of them talking shit, in a 5 nothing game, you're already up you by five. Like, the, the, what do you think? That's magically not going to cause problems? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm just confused. Like, you just didn't think that was going to happen? Like, like <laughs> even we know that, where it's like, it's almost the uh, a week or two ago when, Pittsburgh won like 11-2 over Detroit. Mm-hmm. It would be like if every t- when Pittsburgh Pittsburgh scored the 11th goal, they threw their hands up celebrating and like dogpiled each other over in a corner be like, "Oh my god." That's disrespectful. It's an unwritten rule. You you don't show up to the other team like everybody has a bad night. Detroit was having one of those nights. Eventually you're going to have that night and you're not going to want to be treated like that. It's going to cause you don't want you don't want your goalie when you guys are down 5 nothing and frustrated to get whacked, all he had to do was the goalie made the save, you stay, you stop in front of the crease, and then you just turn and skate away to take the face off. Yeah, uh, Done. Th- there's no cross check. There, there's no anything. Yeah. So I feel bad for Terry because he went in there to stick up for his line mate, which I'm all for. I think he took a few extra shots that he didn't that weren't necessary, but I think that it's just a combination of a bunch of different factors that led to Beagle just being like, fuck it. That's fair. Well, speaking of fuck it, we have <laughs> an organization that, in my own personal opinion, has solidified itself as the, the Philly dirtbags, the Philly scumbags, whatever you would like to call them. The Philadelphia Flyers bench Keith Yandel on his Iron Man streak. To me, when... when Trevor Zegras says embarrassment. I think he was talking about the Philadelphia Flyers. Like, like you're trying to tell me that this organization couldn't let Yans finish out the season, and then if someone picks him up in the off season, then you know it, it is what it is. But this team's going nowhere. the The future is going nowhere. You're trying to tell me you're not able to assess talent with having <laughs> one of your other guys sit down or through the AHL. It, it's an absolute joke in. For what I'm not saying for what Keith Yandel has done to the game or for the game, I'm saying just the streak is incredible. It's impressive. Not you know the amount of games consecutive he has played, and now we hand this over to Phil Kessel, who strength and conditioning coaches are in a world of awe that <laughs> he is able to hold this streak. And the Philadelphia Flyers, man, the lineup they brought in, the hope that they had. 
and they are <laughs> they're awful. Like, yeah. They're not good at all. You have Kevin Hayes come out and speak about it. I mean, a guy who was near and dear to Keith Yandel about how he did not agree with the organization. I mean, Giroux's gone. I'm sure Hayes might be requesting a trade out. I think this team that had brought in talent and then there was hopes of a turnaround, I think they're even in worse purgatory than they were before. Yeah. So the whole Yandel thing, that's a very easy way to ruin the reputation of your organization when it comes to acquiring free agents. Oh, 100%. 100%. If I'm a player and I see, again, it's not like they're in the thick of the playoff race. It's not like... There's a young kid who, in limited action, ha- is just clearly head and shoulders a better option for you in your top six than Yandel at this point. And he was a handful away games from a thousand mm-hmm. consecutive games played, first time in NHL history that would have occurred. And to bench him sends a very bad signal that we don't give a fuck about you. It's all about basically the numbers and I'm sure the flyers and you know, would be like, Hey, so we felt like this is the sixth defenseman that gave us the best chance to win. We wanted to see this. The numbers say that, that that's why numbers can only take you so far. It's going to fuck them. Like you said, some of the veterans probably didn't like it. Hayes spoke up. They're not going to like it. Other free agents, because I'm sure Philly's hoping for a rebound next year. Mm-hmm. If you're a free agent and you're like, Philly comes calling, fuck you. Well, the, the as, as, long as, as is, long as that coaching staff is in place and that GM is in place, fuck you. That's what I was going to say. I mean, I think Mike Yo, especially even if you're a veteran player and you're coming in you know, on a minimum just to make another year out of it or something like that, it's like, you're calling me to do a job for you. And, you know, I know Keith Yandel at the beginning of the year, call it the way it is, he didn't have a place to go. He went there on a very team-friendly deal after getting bought yeah. out. But even then, I mean, to, to say or to think that he was not helpful to that team or anything else, it, it, it's fucking disrespectful. And yeah. Especially for, you know, A, the consecutive thing, because, I mean, this basic this streak has basically started from once as Yandel actually got to play in the NHL. Well, like it's, yep. it's spanned that long, and it, to me, it's just like I, I would never. And don't get me wrong, I understand it's a business. I understand you do need to evaluate your talent and see who you are for the future. But you're trying to tell me one of those other D couldn't come out so you could put one of the kids in? I mean, they traded Braun. Yeah, it's just like I, I, I don't get it. Like, like I, I don't get it at all. It, it just does not it's make just, sense. Like you said, it's disrespectful to the point of I know he hasn't been with the organization for sorry, organization uh, for a long time. So there's not a lot of we owe him this. But there's bad, but him, bad organization you, in the organization. Yeah, you owe him <laughs> as a as a veteran. Like, especially as a former player, like, you know what that's going to do to the room. I don't, it's so short-sighted and shoots themselves in the foot with their reputation around the league that it's mind-numbingly stupid that they went ahead and actually did it. Especially when they, it went out into the media before that game, like a day before, and they saw the backlash that they were getting around the league from other players from the media, and they still went ahead with it. And the the other thing, too, now just thinking about it, I think of the past, and I think of old Mike Yo. And do you remember the absolute freak show he had when he was in Minnesota? When he's calling the guys out on practice, and he's throwing his stick fucking 12 rows up into the thing? Like, I'm starting to think this is more Mike Yo. I, I just think when it comes down to it... He doesn't I, respect I, the guys. Yeah, I think he's just going to do whatever he feels he needs to do. And n- not to mention, I mean... Yo got this job on an interim tag. Yeah. After AV got gassed. So who's to say that A, he's even coming back next year? And then B, if he is out, I mean, are you calling for him for an assistant coach? Probably not. No, he 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 tarnished his reputation for the league for this. 
Yeah, I, I, it's gonna be hard to see him come into a room, at least in the next few years, and have the respect of the guys. Yeah, I don't think uh, this was good for him on a personal or a professional level. Speaking of the Flyers, really quick, so I was at the Garden when they played the Rangers this past Sunday. Rangers season high forty six shots. They lost in a shootout, but they were down three nothing in the third, came back to tie it. Nobody on that roster stands out. None of the veterans, none of the kids, nobody. The most noticeable guy on the ice was uh, Nate Thompson. I thought you were going to say Dawson Mercer. Well, that's the devil's. <laughs> um, like, he's, he, you notice him just because of his size. Like, Ristolainen is a fucking mess. Like, I was sitting on a DN twice for the Flyers. He has no idea where he's going as soon as he turns his back to the rush. Like, he doesn't know positioning, nothing. And I'm like, they just gave this dude a five-year extension? <laughs> going good. Yeah, so they're going to be struggling for a little bit a little bit of time there. Um, I know a lot of Flyer fans were like, oh, we'll just re-sign Giroux in the offseason. I don't think he's going to want to go back to Philly and waste away the rest of his career in the in the basement of the division. No, I think he's probably going to have one or two more years left at the team of his choosing. Maybe he signs with the Penguins. I don't know. Allegedly, and I mean, we'll see if this is true or not. Uh, off season wise, I know they said that Ottawa was looking looking at him because he's from there, spends the off season there. So, so maybe that's the leadership in there that they need to, you know, propel them a little bit further after uh, they finally signed Sanderson to uh, his entry level. So once his North Dakota was out, he just came up with them. So yeah, sends on the move, baby. They're almost catching up to the the wings late in the season. I know. I told you, my boys. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll take. Quick look at the Western Conference uh, playoff picture. So the East has been settled for about three months now. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the East is locked up. It's just where the final standings are going to be. What's crazy is seven out of the eight teams are going to finish with 100 points or more tough, in the East. Tough out, huh? <laughs> yeah, so at any matchup in the East round, except for whoever gets to play the Caps, and even the Caps, you have Carlson, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Kuznets, like even them as an eight seed is not going to be easy. Uh, but at this point in the East, it's just about seeding. The Rangers, two points out of first in the Metro. Uh, the Atlantic Division, Florida basically clinched the division title there. So it's down to Toronto, Tampa, and Boston for who's going to finish 2 3 and in the first wild card spot. So out West is where it gets a little bit more exciting and open. Um, we have Colorado running away with the Central. We have Calgary, who only four points up on Edmonton, but they have two games in hand. So as long as they keep their head above water, they should walk away with the Pacific title. Um, and then you have Minnesota and St. Louis kind of locked into the 2-3 in the Central. And then for the Pacific Division, you have Edmonton and L.A. separated by a point for 2-3 in that bracket. With Vegas, after winning five in a row, still a few points back of both of those teams, but they're making a late run here. Um, and then for the wild card spot, you have Nashville and Dallas at 84 and 83 points, and that pretty much cuts off the Western Conference playoff picture. But there's a lot of moving pieces here. You can have Minnesota finish two or St. Louis finish two because they're close enough. Um in the Pacific, you could have Edmonton, L.A., or Vegas finish two. Any of those teams finish three. Any of those teams finish in the wild card, potentially. Or you can have both Nashville and Dallas uh, make the wild card, claim both wild card spots. So a lot of moving pieces here. So I figured this would be a good spot with just under a month left in a regular season, about 12 games left for everybody. little game I like to call in and out which I thought of on prom night. Um, <laughs> um, so obviously, like we said, Colorado, Calgary are in. Uh, pretty much Minnesota and St. Louis look like they're guaranteed a spot. Same for uh, Edmonton and LA. 
but seeding is determined there. The wild card is where it's going to be interesting. You have Nashville 84, Dallas 83, Vegas 82. My first question, do you see Vegas catching up to either LA or Edmonton? And second question, who who are your two wild card picks at this point? Who do you think is going to make it out of the West? So I'm nervous if Vegas is going to catch uh, LA there. I, I think they might. So I'm I'm gonna say, for the wild card, it's gonna be Nashville and L.A. Okay. And Vegas will take that three spot. So Vegas, Edmonton in the first round. Yes. That's nice little. That's a nice little matchup, to be honest. Um, for me, I have uh, Vegas making the Pacific bracket, but I have Edmonton falling to the wild card. See, I, I just have Edmonton play. They're like finally playing good hockey right now. So it's like I, I'm, I'm not in their corner completely. I just think that they're finally tightening it up. I, I think McDavid now is uh gonna go on the rush. You're gonna see the all of all McDavid has at this current point, at, at least for you know standing wise. And then I mean, obviously, once we get there, all bets are off in the playoffs. But I think right now he's just gonna try to propel this team to as many wins in this next 11 games that they have here. Yeah, so the reason why is the schedule for me for Edmonton. If I took a look earlier, they play L.A. tomorrow night. So here's the the teams they play the rest of the regular season. L.A., Colorado, Minnesota, Nashville, Vegas, Dallas, Colorado, Columbus, Pittsburgh, San Jose, Vancouver. I mean, obviously, strength of schedule is not good there. (laughs) <laughs> but but I think for a team like them that is now fighting and clawing to stay where they are, I think that's just as important for them. Because yeah. I think if they're going to go into the dance, they're going to be playing, have to play tough hockey, rough hockey. Like I would say just off that, Edmonton's playoff start now. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's schedule. And also, they've been playing really well. Which means they're Vegas destined struggled. to start sliding. I, Vegas struggled for a good chunk of the middle part of the season, and yet they're still within striking distance. Five points, 11 games left, it's not a, a small gap. I think LA has a little bit better chance of staying power just because they've not been playing well lately, but they're still almost on equal footing with Edmonton. And that's after a long run by Edmonton and some kind of uneven play by L.A. the last few weeks, and they're still there. So I think if L.A. just starts turning it around slightly, Edmonton's obviously going to cool off a little bit. So I think that lets L.A. slide into that two spot. And then you just have Vegas-Edmonton for that three seed in in the bracket. And with that one game that they have left, Vegas wins that, they're two wins out of passing them over. So I just think I still don't have faith in their D and their goaltending that they're going to be able to hold it up. And I think Vegas with the top heavy talent they have, they're just going to, and the veteran experience they have, they're just going to make that more of a sustained run. Natural Dallas. I think Dallas is going to miss the cutoff. Um, I just don't think they have enough going right now. Nashville, just because of the strong start they had to the regular season is going to save their ass here a little bit. I think Lozon has helped them in that line. <laughs> what I really want to see is Calgary Edmonton in a playoff matchup out west, and then I want to see uh, Colorado and Vegas, if possible, out west. Colorado Vegas would be pretty good. That, that'd be some uh, some big bodies bouncing around there, big boy. And there is a chance that. With the way the East is currently shaping up, if the Rangers knock off Pittsburgh in the first round and you guys stay in that wild card spot and then knock off Carolina, it's Rangers-Boston second round. Oh, save up your money, big boy. <laughs> I, I know you got rent to pay. I mean, it's a mortgage. I'll bet, I'll bet the, you know, I'll put the mortgage on something. <laughs> I'll, I'll bet, uh, uh, I'll think of something. If we end up playing each other in the playoffs, we'll think of something. I mean, maybe a day-night doubleheader. I, I would say for a bet, we would shave your head, but it's pretty much already there. 
Well, I mean, <laughs> listen, if, to pay for the big sexy haircut, I mean, it's all about the beard nowadays anyways. That's... <laughs> Yeah, we can have a beard versus beard match. Whoever loses has to shave their beard. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll trim. I don't think I could ever take this thing fully off. <laughs> um, I wonder what the tan line looks like even during the winter. Oh, dude, it's yeah, it's not pretty. <laughs> um, so besides that, we have our weekend review. Um, I know it's been uh, a couple weeks since we last recorded. We had the tr- uh, trade deadline episode, but now that we've had a handful of games for both of our teams with the deadline acquisitions can talk about how they've been fitting in. Um, and also with 12 games, 10 to 12 games left for everybody, kind of how you feel about making that last little push. And do you see yourself finishing within the bracket or as a wild card team? Uh, as for your last question, I am so back and forth as to where we'll actually finish. Cause it just seems like, all right, we're all tied up. All right, Toronto just jumped ahead, and then, you know, Tampa shuffles down. We'll jump ahead of them. I don't think we have enough oomph to get past. Like, I just think going down the stretch right now, everyone's playing good hockey. Like, yeah. Toronto's playing good. Tampa's playing good. I say it ends up the way it is now, so we'll stay in that wild card one. Um, As for updates after the trade deadline, I mean... After seeing Lindholm, I like his game. I think he compliments McAvoy really well. And, of course, he ends up getting hurt last night. Uh, No timetable. He's going back to Boston. Lower body injury. They didn't say what they think it is. They said he's going for an MRI just for precautionary reasons. So So it could be a sprain. Yeah. So will that get us to... This is the other thing, too, that scares me. It's like you're in the home stretch. You want to, like, quote-unquote, rest your guys. But at the same time, you can't rest your whole lineup. Like, games still mean something, especially coming up right now. Like, we have Tampa on Friday. We have Washington on Sunday. And then right after that, we have St. Louis coming to town. We have Ottawa. We have the Pens. We're at St. Louis the week after that, at the Pens the week after that. Then we have you guys. So it's like... And then the week after that, we have Florida and we finish against Toronto, not even including a game versus Montreal and Buffalo. So we have playoff opponents coming up where points are crucial. So The good thing is you have two goaltenders you trust. We do have two goaltenders we trust. Uh, I would say currently it's Swayman's net. Yeah. Um, a, a little but at least you don't have to run him into the ground here. No, exactly, which is good, and I think if – you know, when we do get into the playoffs, if there is any worry, if whether it's Swayman's a rookie or if it's they're nervous about his play, I think they could switch to Omark and you'll still have that same team in front of you. It's not like, oh, they're pulling the plug on us. So on that end, I think it's good. Um, Pasta just got injured. Uh, who else had just gotten injured? It was Lindholm, Pasta, and somebody else. And you're like, right before the playoffs, of course. So hopefully everything's just day to day and we can get these guys back in the lineup, but make sure they're at least well rested and ready to go. Um, my man, Brad Marchand, I don't know if he's going to do it or not, but he's up to 42 assists on the season. I think he's at 31 goals. I want to see if he can get to that, uh, 40, 40 club. Uh, I think that'd be okay. uh, good for him. Uh, him, Berge and Debrusca, it kills me to say it. Debrusca has been playing really good hockey. The, the kids, been, he's been. <laughs> if he helps you win a cup, I don't. I think you'd swallow your pride. <laughs> I, I mean, I would, but I'd still say it. Still kills me to say it. Like I, I'd still say it. I mean, uh, he, he's been playing really good hockey. He's been flying around. Like first guy in on a four check, he, he he's sniffing around the net, and you're like, dude, if you could just do this consistently, like I, I don't think we ever would have had a fucking issue here with you. But talking about Marshan, by the way, that hit the other night against uh, Peak. Yeah, I thought that was clean. I thought it was clean too. Like, yeah, it was a big hit. I'm, I'm not surprised Columbus wanted to stand up for that guy, but I saw it all over Instagram. Like Marshan at it again. I'm like, that's a clean hit. Like if his name was Joe Smith, nobody would have said anything. Oh yeah, no, and I mean, uh, listen, your D's making a pinch there. I mean. I believe in my own mind this is what was supposed to happen. Their D wanted to line up Marshy. They wanted Marshy to get there. Marshy waited the second, so their D is now pinching on the puck alone, and then he finished a hit. 
Yep. Did he hit him in the head? No. I thought his, like, via the way it looked, it looked like Marshy's shoulder came across his chest. Because yeah. when they show the thing and the guy's back is against the boards, I mean, you can see his head completely straight out. Like, Martian shoulders on the other side of it. And it and was he stayed, instantly... he's going to leave his feet or anything either. No, everything's tucked in. It's all clean. But but you could hear the uh, the other announcers. It was like, that's a hit to the head. I'm like, no. like You guys have it stopped. He's not hitting him in the head. Um, and last night against Detroit. Oh, like, dude. The way he played last night in terms of, like, starting that scrum after going after Larkin, that is what being a pest is. Not the other horse shit he does. I, I got nervous, though, when him and Larkin went at it. Like, if that slash was about two inches higher and that gets him on the neck, he's probably... Oh, yeah, that's the rest of the season. Yeah, he's done. So, I mean, thank God he got him in the shoulder there. And, I mean, Larkin, too, the fucking pussy. Like, did you see him sell it? Like, the thing hit him yeah. in the elbow pad and he dropped and then he got back up. It was like... <laughs> like I was like, come on. But, um, no, I, I was like... He's been the last two or three games, so the Columbus game for sure. And, you know, we played Columbus back-to-back. We played him Saturday night. Things got a little bit chippy. Monday's game up until that Marchand hit, like the first 15 minutes of that first period were a nice Monday night in Columbus. And then that last five minutes of the first, and it was like, oh, now, now we're dealing with something different. But um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, free agent acquisition, not free agent, trade deadline acquisition, Brown. Uh, he came in, has a fight in his first game in Boston. Uh, he came out and he openly said that Cassidy said that it is definitely an open um, competition for the D-men. I do believe our top, I'd say our top five are set. Uh, I think Forbort is going to stay in that lineup just because of uh, the amount of ice time he logs up and the penalty kill. So I yeah. think it's going to be whoever that last guy is going to be, whether it's Brown, Riley. We haven't seen Clifton since. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just curious to see where things end up. I know Forbert, was it last night? Yes, it was last night on, on um, I forget which goal it was. He got completely torched. He, he went so whoever it was got the puck at the right outside the blue line there. They were coming in. They were at the dot. And for whatever reason, Forbert just went by him, like towards the boards. And it's like, dude, he didn't even fake to the inside. And he just completely <laughs> had a lane right to the net. So we need to clean it up a little bit. Um, Brandon Carlo, I, I want to see a little bit more out of him. I think, defensively the last couple of games he's been like a step behind so i'd like to see him ideally be in tip-top shape and kind of closing gaps and being the shutdown d that we need as for everything else so let, let's see how it plays out man i'm i'm curious i'm excited nervous all the yeah. above you can end up playing toronto in the first round tampa in the first round or carolina in the first round i, I will say this right now i do not want carolina i think th- this is my problem with carolina carolina is a very good team um, their speed is their speed dude, when we've played them every game this year we're, we're not even close with them but when it gets to this time of the year where it's a lot different of a game i, I think that we can wear them down so I, I don't see them being as physical as us the other thing is in the past and i mean because he's been in a different place we have had freddie anderson's number could that come back again? Don't know, but I mean, I think that's one that you want to keep on your pocket and see what happens. I am declaring it right now on this podcast because before we get to the dance and everything else, if the Bruins indeed win the Stanley Cup, I will get a tattoo of the Bruins goalie hug. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Jake DeBrusque. <laughs> you know what? If you... I'll get the Bruins goalie hug, but if you want, I'll, I'll get the brusque on the other calf. <laughs> um, yeah, so f- for the Rangers, I know I said before the deadline episode that if they make the right moves at the deadline, I'm all in on this team in a sense of they're going to be legit. They, I feel like they would be able to make a deep playoff run, especially with the type of year Shisterkin is having. 
and they ended up like we talked about last episode. They got the trade for Vetrano, Tyler Mott, and Andrew Kopp up front. Justin Braun to service at six seventh uh, veteran D man that can play both sides on the back end. Uh, Vetrano five goals in eleven games, playing first line right wing with Kreider and Zabanajad. Kopp has I think nine points in his eight games. Eight or nine points in his eight games. Uh, he started out on the wing with Panarin and Strom, and then Strom missed four games because of an injury. And during those four games, Cop moved over to center. Uh, did not look out of place at all. He obviously brings a different type of game uh, to that position with Panarin. Uh, but it was interesting to see him there because both him and Strom are free agents after the year. And it might be a situation where the Rangers offer them both the same contract and say, whichever one says yes first gets it. Um, and Cop also said he can play all three forward positions, but he considers himself a center. So that's going to be a summer storyline for us. But Mott hasn't produced much, but he is significantly better on our fourth line than the guys we're running out there, which is nice. So with that in mind, like I'm I'm sold, man. Like I don't know if they'll win a seven game series against Tampa or Florida or Carolina, but it it's gonna be a seven game series. Like it's gonna be a hard out. And for a team that came into this year with obviously playoff expectations, um, we haven't made the playoffs in four years. Uh, I don't consider the playing around during a pandemic, making the playoffs. To be in a position where you might win a series or two, potentially, is I think they're a year ahead of schedule. So very excited about where we're heading for the playoffs right now. Um, our forward group, we're still missing Kako and Kevin Rooney. Um, three months ago, Kako was close to returning, according to Gerard Gallant. And three months later, I don't even know if the dude's alive. Um, but getting him back opens up some possibilities where you can put him in a top six. You might even start him out on a fourth line and have a fourth line that can really control play because that's one of Kako's strong suits. Um, Rooney obviously will help the PK, but on the back end, I think the biggest development for me is the play of the Miller Trooper pairing and. Fox is having another great year offensively. He's had a little bit of a drop-off defensively in terms of driving play, but I think that's just because of the amount of minutes he plays and a guy of his kind of slight stature. Um, he's he's not going to be a guy who's going to have a 15-year career playing 25 minutes a night. Um, so having a second pair of Miller and Trouba that can match up against Malkin, or Crosby, it doesn't matter. We've been playing. We played Pittsburgh twice in the last two weeks. We played them again, I think, in a week or so, and we're rolling Lindgren and Fox against one of the Crosby or Malkin line, and Miller and Truba against the other, and shutting them down. And if that's going to be the first round matchup, at least we go into that confidently knowing our top four can compete. And then you have the third pair with Braden Schneider. I I don't know if you saw the hit last night oh, against the Devils. Did I ever? What a hit! And then that was going to be one one of the rants that I wanted to go on when I was more fired up. I can't stand how clean hits now require the guy who made the hit to take a five-minute penalty for fighting to defend himself. Like, not every big hit needs to result in a fight. It's a clean hit. He didn't so, target your guy. Like, leave it alone. Now, a random question because these always pop out. Would you say... In the offseason, the NHL would change that rule that, hey, if there's a clean hit, like the referee didn't call anything on the play, and then you end up jumping a guy, so you're getting a 2, 5, and 10 anyways, that the guy who made the hit only gets two minutes for roughing, so they'll get a three-minute power play out of it, or actually a five-minute power play if you count the instigator. Well, that's the thing. They have the instigator rule in the books. They never call it. Like I haven't seen it in a long time where they call a guy for instigating on a reactionary fight from a legal hit. And, and 
they got to do something. I like the idea of if you fight somebody because of a, if the hit isn't penalized and you target the guy who made the hit and get into a fight, you get the instigator and a five-minute major for fighting, and the other guy gets two minutes for roughing. Yeah, so you get a five-minute power play. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, saying, make, they have make, to start calling that. Make guys fucking think twice about jumping people. Yeah, it's again, it's a clean hit. I understand you don't want to see your teammate laid out like that, especially since Bokus looked like he got the wind knocked out of him, so he looked like he was hurt. But you can't have a guy... Like, Truba did this earlier in the year. He had three massive hits in, within two weeks of each other, and each time he had a fight. Like, it's ridiculous. If I'm in the playoffs, anytime someone hits... Like, if I'm playing Tampa Bay, and Stamkos hits Adam Fox in a corner, but it's a clean hit, I'm fighting Stamkos. He's getting pulled off the ice for five minutes. Like, it starts turning into a strategy. Oh, no, no, listen, yeah, playoff strategy is a lot different than regular season strategy. There's no question about that. But can I say something about the hits, and I forgot to bring it up in my Bruins weekend review. Now, I ask you because you get to watch him daily. Adam Fox. Yeah. How, how often does he get hit? And I'm not talking about he gets bumped in the corner to, you know, go D to D or rap one hard. Like, how many times does he get blown up in a season? In all of last year and this year so far, one time I've seen it. Okay, so so this is what I forgot to bring up. Charlie McAvoy, we played the Devils last week, and he gets absolutely blown up. Oh, that Miles Wood hit, right? Wood hit. Clean hit. But that's about the sixth hit I've seen this year where McAvoy gets completely blown up. And that's why I was asking you about Fox, because this is what I notice as well. The elite of the elite defensemen, Makar, Yossi, Fox. You don't see him get hit. You don't see them get hit. And McAvoy is always getting hit. Like, that's legit. That's the sixth hit like that I've seen this year on him. And... For me, in the sense of we backed the Brinks truck up for him, he's going to start making really big boy money next year. And I just don't think he's going to be able to fulfill it because of it's either A, the way he plays, and he's going to you know give his body up to make a play, or he's just not not in his mentality to let up and you know not take the hit. But but kid, like listen, it's the it's on ice awareness. Yeah, like. Remember, in Spittin' Chicklets last year, it was they had Adam Oates on. And Adam Oates said he saw Kevin Miller take this hit, and he called Kevin Miller and said, work with me so you'll never have to take that hit again. Oatesy, fucking call McAvoy. Like, for like for fuck's sakes. <laughs> He's making nine and a half next year. I'm sure he can afford you. It's funny. So I call Fox Gumby, and I know that was like Tom Brady is one of his nicknames because he never got hurt. But there are guys target Fox, and he always finds a way to kind of like slither through and only take like a glancing blow on hits in the defensive zone, or when he's uh, has his back turned and there's a four check coming in, he always finds a way to just kind of just avoid the big hit. Hey, it's, it's, it's silky, he's a little slippery. Yeah, um, which is funny when you look at his defense partner Lindgren. Dude looks like he got into a bar fight after every game because he takes pucks, sticks to the face, he gets cross-checked into the dasher board. <laughs> Poor bastard, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm feeling pretty good about the Rangers at this point. It looks like it's a locked-in first-round matchup with Pittsburgh. Um, looking at their schedule the rest of the way, they play Pittsburgh tomorrow night. Obviously a big matchup. Um, they play Ottawa, Carolina, Philly, Detroit, Winnipeg, the Islanders, Boston, Carolina, Montreal, Washington. Now the Great part about this schedule, they only have three road games, and all three are a train ride. Uh, that helps with the wear and tear. The whole month of April, they've never left the New York City area except by train. So they're going to go into the playoffs very well-rested, no travel mileage on their bodies, no sleeping in strange hotel beds. They're basically entering the playoffs, hopefully, quote, knock on wood, healthy and well-rested. So that's another area that makes me feel pretty confident going into it. Well, I'm glad that you guys can feel well rested going into it. <laughs> um, 
I was looking at the schedule. I know we have a late week this week for game of the week, lock of the week. Uh, I agree, but I, I know looking at it, can, can we just touch as to how good this schedule is, though? Like, yeah. for this remaining? So, yep. tomorrow night, uh, Pittsburgh at the Rangers, playoff matchup, possibly. You also have Edmonton at L.A., another one. And then you have Toronto and Dallas who are fighting, well, Dallas fighting for their life for the playoffs. You, you get to Friday, you have Boston at Tampa. You have Minnesota at St. Louis. Colorado's playing Winnipeg. Not the biggest thing, but, I mean, Winnipeg could spoil some shit going on in that central. Yep. And then we, we get to Saturday. I mean, Florida, Nashville. Florida, Nashville. You have, um, excuse me, you have Colorado at Edmonton, uh, another big one. Sunday, Nashville, Pittsburgh, Boston, Washington, L.A., Minnesota, um, to wrap up the week. Yeah, like, like. That is, like, if you're a hockey guy, like, you got some really, get the ESPN Plus going and just start, you're going to be a very good weekend. (laughs) Uh, Jumping ahead, I know we'll make our picks when this happens, but the last day of the regular season, Friday, April 29th, you have Boston versus Toronto. Mm -hmm. You have Washington versus the Rangers. You have Vegas versus St. Louis. Colorado versus Minnesota, uh, Vancouver at Edmonton and Calgary at Winnipeg. That's basically playoff seating for one of those teams needs to match up. And then you have Nashville potentially needing a win to clinch a playoff spot at Arizona. So even on the last day of the regular season, you have possible games that two days later is going to impact what matchup is going on. Oh, I mean, depending on how shit ends up, I mean, that Boston-Toronto matchup, uh, that yep. could dictate whether you're staying in the conference, whether you're going to play Carolina. Like, that has so many things. Or they could be playing each other the next game. So you're trying yep. to tell me that, you know, Trent Frederick and Wayne Simmons aren't going to have pleasantries that whole game? Like, I just think I love, Fre- like- I love Frederick, man, in that mic up. I've, I've been a model citizen all night. Oh, that, <laughs> that was the other guy who would end up getting hurt the other night. So that was another one that we're waiting an update on. But, yeah, I did like Freddie. I've been a model <laughs> citizen. You don't punch me in the head. <laughs> um, I know it's tough choices, but what's your game and lock? Uh, my game, just because I'm biased, I'm going Boston at Tampa, just within the division and point-wise. I mean, that could propel us to second. Well, no, not the Toronto thing, but it could bring us to third and then drop them to the wild card. And then my lock, because I need it after uh, the shitter of me picking your Rangers two weeks ago, I am going <laughs> with uh, Saturday Calgary at Seattle with the Flames. Okay. My game of the week is going to be um, Friday, April 8th. I'm going Minnesota at St. Louis. That's a good game, man. My lock of the week is the same night. I'm going Islanders over Carolina. Oh, I like it. So taking a shot to try and take the lead here in our race. I like. You know what? Sometimes you have to do that. <laughs> um, do you have anybody for shout-outs? I do. Um, so shout-out to the Big Red. So today, her, her hard work over the past two years uh, has officially become noticed. She had a... I don't want to say it was an interview, but it was basically to become nationally certified through her job with 300 other people on a phone call of what she started at work, how her and her uh, right-hand woman, I mean, because, I mean, it would be right-hand man, but so right her right-hand woman after what they have implemented at work over the last couple of years and being nationally certified. And she said after that phone call, her emails have lit up, her phones has lit up as to uh vas all over the country trying to contact her to uh implement the same things within their system and you know certain things they want her to author now like write up things for you know nurses nationwide is this a potential relocation of oh fuck no i ain't going anywhere pal (laughs) but uh no that was just that it was like wow like that's crazy so very happy for her you're like, man, it's just, it's just redder. <laughs> yeah, well, I was like, it was funny because, like, dude, I didn't even know that she had this thing going today. Like, no idea. And she tells me about it on the way home from work, and I'm like, you good? Like, usually you're, like, pretty, like, oh, I have this thing coming up, and blah, blah, blah. She's like, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think it was Tuesday night? 
it had to be Tuesday night. She stayed up late and she was going over a PowerPoint and this, that, the other thing. And she's like, yeah, I had everything written down. I did this big presentation. And I'm like, yeah, this is coming from the same girl that like when she has to do trainings at work with like 10 people, she's like, <laughs> I'm like, and you just go out there and crush a 300 person like that. That's pretty legit. Well, congrats to Big Red. Yeah, congrats to Big Red. Um, I do have another one. A, a co-worker had gotten engaged on Friday night. We were lucky enough. We were able to be there. So so congrats to uh, B&G. And um, is there anything else? Oh, I mean, uh, I get to see Mr. Stratford tomorrow night, allegedly. So if I get <laughs> to see him, I'll shout him out. But if not, I'm not worried about it. All right. Uh, no personal shout-outs for me this week, but I do have – to uh good luck good luck in the future wishes uh, announced today marion hosa signed a one-day contract and is retiring as a blackhawk today uh tomorrow night thursday and bald since 12 years old ryan gets laugh has announced that he's retiring at the end of the season spent all 17 years in anaheim there was it thought that i had that maybe just maybe he might be on a move at the deadline um, but nice to see in a salary cap league with a low salary cap, a guy ending his career with the same team he started. And lastly, to Jack Hughes, who is turning out to be quite injury prone, out for the rest of the season with a knee injury. He missed 17 games uh, already this year with a separated shoulder. He missed a bunch of games last year. It's going to be hard for the Devils to climb out of it when the guys they're building around, a.k.a. Heischer, Hamilton, and Hughes, miss about... 25% of the season every year. Can, can I say this, though? For the amount of games that he has played and the output he has done, I mean, Jack Hughes, I, I mean, he almost made it to the fucking 30-30 club. In, in yeah, point per game when he plays, yeah, essentially. Like he was he was really good when he was actually in the lineup. So I think future-wise, there's definitely a lot to see there with Jack. It's just like you said, it's, it's keeping the little guy healthy. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that uh we ended up with Kako. You know strong development here. Uh nice defensive forward who might chip in ten goals. <laughs> yeah. Well now that he was out, he ended up playing forty nine games, played twenty six goals, thirty assists for fifty six points. I mean the minus sixteen does stick out there for plus minus, but I, I will say this for what he has done with the team around him, I think is, is key and, and that's what makes me yeah. think that this kid can play hockey. But that's all I got for you, my man. All right. Well, when should we do it again? I mean, we're going to have to get at least one more in before we do our playoff episode. <laughs> I'm excited for the playoff one. I'm not going to lie. I mean, little looking way too far ahead, but I'm excited to yeah. see where we end up. The first round every year is always the most exciting. So, Got my money on Minnesota. Oh. Yeah, we should do some bets for each matchup instead of just making picks. I like that. I mean, I, I'm hoping to see you in the second round at MSG. Dude, if we if we end up playing you guys again in the playoffs and we lose again, like we did that basically ended Torch's career here in New York, I can't go 0-2 for bragging rights. I mean, but if you want, you could totally get the Bruins goalies hugging as a tattoo too. If the Bruins win a Stanley Cup this year, I'll get that tattoo. How about that? I like it. First one, get it off the hide. Let's fucking go. <laughs> um, I got to think of what Ranger tattoo you'd get if we won. Uh, I think it would be the picture of Revo lifting the cup. That's probably what it would be. Or maybe Panarin doing his leg kick after a goal. Uh, actually, you know, Panarin leg kick up wouldn't be bad. Or maybe just because, you know, it would be like one of those spiteful ones. I'll, I'll get a still frame of uh, Panarin on Willie's back. <laughs> hey, at least he's on his back and not on the ice on that one. Yeah, exactly. You know, like before it all happened. <laughs> the before times. Yeah, you know, the, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> but uh, everybody, thank you as always for listening. Uh, like Benny said, we still have one more coming up for you. So we'll have one more before the postseason begins. And uh, yeah, like we said, I mean, that last day of the NHL regular season, man, it's going to get exciting. This is going to be fun. So everyone, as always, thank you for listening, and we look forward to catching you guys next week. Bye-bye.
talk about Take those pictures down Shake it out Truth or consequence Say it aloud Use that evidence Race it around There goes my hero Watch him as he goes 